Greg invited me to the Terence Higgins Trust where he's lead for prep to discuss his journey from Belfast to London and to explore what it is that drives his activism. That was in January when we had no idea of what was unfolding with the global coronavirus pandemic. Since then, on the 15th of March, UK Health Secretary Matt Hancock announced his commitment that prep would be made available on the NHS. In the meantime, global priorities have changed, so Greg and I thought it would be a good idea to do a little socially distanced chat via a video call for an update on the prep rollout and what the pandemic means for prep users. Okay, so there's a disclaimer here, which I'm hoping if you've made it this far, you'll be too invested to care about. And Greg's headphones weren't working, so his sound isn't great. But if you can bear with that like we did, I'm sure you'll agree that the conversation is important and as informative as ever. Just waiting for Greg to join. Hi, Look, there he is. Hey. Hey, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, good. A little bit over this lockdown, but, but I'm all right. That is... Um... Yeah, I can't lie. Honestly, I'm struggling. <laughs> well, I got to Sunday. Like, I'm, I'm like really easily kind of. I can make do with things, but I got to Sunday and my anxiety for no reason. So, but I think better today. That happened to me last week. I thought I was acing it. I thought I was acing it for like um the first two or three weeks, and then all of a sudden, breakdown, crying, um, calling my mum, drinking. <laughs> I was like, Mum, it's. I want to see. I want to see people in real life now. I didn't get that bad, but I did not. I didn't. Enjoy, I wasn't enjoying the weekend. Let's put it that. And also, I have a flatmate, um, and we got on really well. But we're like, I realized last week that neither of us have actually been alone for like almost two months because we go outside individually and we're surrounded by people, and then we come back here. And yeah, okay, one of us will be gone for like maybe an hour here or there. But 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 generally. We literally have not been able to see the back of each other for like it's just mm. for us now. Mm. Last time we met was in January. It was a bit of a while ago. There's so much has happened. I mean, a lot of this reminded me of growing up in Belfast, to be honest. <laughs> like having like this huge, huge intrusion on your life and your freedom. So mm. I, I'm I'm quite I've been acclimatized to to being restricted in my movements and being a little bit fearful of things that you can't see. You know, I, I went through that. So it's kind of got. Uh, familiar tones for me but I have to be honest I'm, I think I'm in the same boat as everybody else now we all have a threshold but we just get really over it and I'm really over it and I get it I get the epidemiology I get the public health benefits but I am over it and I'm just you know, at that point and I keep asking people like what are you doing to cope and like what like tips have you got but then I'm like everyone keeps saying there's not I'm run out like I'm not I think for me it's like so so I'm used to being really really busy really busy and my workload is probably 30 40 percent of what it used to be maximum so the adjustment for pace was causing me anxiety because i felt like i wasn't doing enough and then I, I was a bit like you know what actually no we're all just trying to get by right now so i'm not going to give myself a hard time i'm going to allow myself to be still mm-hmm. i'm going to allow myself to be in inverted commas lazy and also like my biggest the biggest thing i've been trying to do for myself and for other people in my social networks, because that's that's the only that's the only kind of socializing you have is online, is not to add to the fucking noise. Like sometimes you just don't need to make that comment. Sometimes you don't need to make that call out. Sometimes you don't need to smack someone down. And sometimes they don't need your hot takes or your fake news or your opinions. Sometimes just share a funny meme. Mm. It's got nothing to do with Corona. I, keep, I, think, I think memes are getting us through this. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> the pandemic of memes. <laughs> oh God, so much has changed though. Um, How have you been? Yeah, I mean, similar to you actually. I 
like the first three weeks I think I was literally just busy all day every day um I was finding stuff to do I was buzzing around I felt busy and I felt like I was keeping myself like going and keeping myself afloat but I think um there was an impending breakdown when I realized I'd been like just walking around my house and hadn't actually done much for about an hour and I thought oh I'm just I'm moving and the thing is with me is like um I realized that for the first basically two or three weeks my brain was just not letting me like settle it wouldn't let me settle into it so when the when the moment come my 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 breaking point came like I crashed yeah like not good right now I miss people seeing people in real life um I'm kind of over screens mm. and that kind of thing I get you know I'm I'm a, I'm quite introverted contrary to like perception I'm quite introverted and I I'm finding phone calls really anxiety inducing because you you can't take those physical reads and you can't take those physical like it's just different it's the same screen like mm. we can see each other but there's you know, there's a barrier. So this kind of communication for me is really uncomfortable and it always has been but in saying that it's so I, I wouldn't be like rushing out to Vauxhall to go clubbing anymore and I wouldn't be dashing down the balance to have brunch every 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 Saturday and Sunday but what's getting to me is that I don't have that option like I'm not mm, like a yeah. hugely social person but I feel restricted right now I feel really restricted right now and it's it's really yeah it's not nice I feel like that with um sex because I, like I feel like I'm not like I see people online, absolutely everyone's fucking roasting. <laughs> and I am not, but I think that's because I'm taking care of myself regularly. But like like the, the option of not being able to is the bit that's like getting to me, like you're saying, like even if I wanted to, I couldn't. And that's the bit that's like getting to me. I think I'm dealing with it the same way as you, which is like basically buying plants. Yeah, <laughs> oh my God. Um, you, I literally, I have currently now, I had none like three weeks ago and I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I have 12, I have 14 currently in my home and another eight arriving this week. I don't know why it's taken a global pandemic for me to decide that I'm going to do all the adult jobs that I was supposed to have done in the seven months that I've lived. I've done more in these seven weeks than I have in the seven months that I've lived in this house. Uh, I know the um, feeling. So obviously not just COVID-19, but like so much has changed, even with um, the prep rollout. I'll come back to that in a second, but I just wanted to touch on your, your THT blog that you put out in March um called should i take prep during the COVID 19 lockdown um and i'll pop a link in as well um obviously super helpful as always but um just maybe a bit of a recap for people so i'm i'm going to be perfectly honest so obviously i'm prep lead for terence higgins trust which is the uk's largest sexual health and hiv charity and i also am co-founder of i want prep now but i also still very much belong to my community and I, I think keeping messages simple are really useful, but also we have to put that nuance in. So mm. I'm, I, I personally, and I have a professional cap and a personal cap, and I'm sort of straddling somewhere in the middle. Mm, so yeah. obviously, if you are not having sex, period, regardless of the current situation and, and the COVID-19 pandemic, mm. if you're not having sex, technically you don't need to take PrEP as long as you take enough post-doses. But it, I mean, we're all, none of us are infallible. And sometimes we have little slip ups and sometimes stressing things like this, like a global pandemic make us crave and need connection. And so I'm not there to judge anyone who is still having sex because there are actually ways to mitigate risk in this current climate. I would say in certain situations, the risk is relatively low. I'm not going to go into those, but the general advice is don't hook up. So if you're not hooking up, you don't need prep. But an extra bit of nuance to that is that some people 
are are locked into that as a habit, which is good because that, that keeps your adherence well. But also it offers people much more than the biomedical benefits. So it offers you, you know, peace of mind, security, uh, alleviation of stress and anxiety. And right now, so that's really important for people. Like if there's anything, even if you're not at risk of actually catching HIV, if taking that pill makes you feel a bit better, carry on taking it. If you're not doing yourself any damage. Yeah, you've just basically covered all all my uh in my questions there but apart i mean so if, no, that's good um if so if like you're if you're isolating with your sexual partner or you're for whatever reason continuing to hook up because um like you said reliance or just deciding that you fancy taking the risk or whatever there's a good supply and people are still able to access it what's the advice on that yeah so i'll reiterate again the current advice is to only hook up with people from your household if you're not doing that uh, there are ways to mitigate the risk so perhaps i have a really great uh, advice for risk reduction and mm. risk mitigation and so i'll send you the link to that put in um, so currently if we look at people who are self-sourcing because those are the people that i've had most interaction with because they're doing that on their own they're self-managing so i'm in regular contact with a handful of the sellers that we list on i want prep now and there's no issue currently with the actual production of prep so where it's coming from in the generic market no issue with production however they have had a few issues with uh, being able to transport stock across countries which have lockdown in place so they have actually gone above and beyond so they've actually worked really hard with their delivery and career companies to make sure there are specific flights booked for delivery and transportation of drug so it might take a little bit longer there might be an additional charge to cover that extra extra work that the career company is doing but generally just order at least four weeks before you need a refill so that that covers self-sources when we get to the NHS, it's a slightly different, it's a slightly different picture because obviously information should be more readily accessible because that's our national health service. But there is a little bit of confusion because we just got the great news that prep was going to be made available mm. on the NHS in England from the start of April, and then we find ourselves in the middle of COVID nineteen. So, as a general rule of thumb, impact trial participants contact your local clinic it's best to use the website first so we don't get overwhelmed with calls if you need to call them and there should be enough information on the website if not call them and what they're actually trying to do is they're trying to accommodate people so having access to prep so you should be in most clinics able to get six months of prep now instead of three and in some places you will be able to do all of your self-tests at home with an online and postal service. Some places will allow you to pick up a kit and then drop it back in. Um, and then what we will be looking to do, we still report your detail for the impact trial and then we'll get you back into a clinic as soon as lockdown restrictions have eased. And, and so basically you might find yourself that your last clinic appointment is actually after the official end of the trial, but they've made that adjustment. And I guess that leads us back on to where we were in the middle, which is what does that mean for routine commissioning some general availability of prep for free in the nhs good question do you want to do you want to feel that one jordy do you, do you want to answer that one how are we going to sort that out in the middle of a global pandemic well, well i mean just double back a sec i will just say um just on general research into prep and stuff um tht prep star i want prep now the information is far clearer and far easier to find than the NHS websites. I've been looking, I mean, obviously just keeping an eye on it generally anyway. Um, the last update around the impact trial was in February um, on the NHS website. 
and it said they're they're not they're not known for being particularly responsive yeah to be fair. um their update was good progress continues to be made um recruiting participants over, with over twenty thousand people now receiving prep throughout the trial um several thousand places remain available across the country including london they increased the prep trial to twenty six thousand people and there's still places on that trial yeah there are so i mean it's filling up quite well so here, this is another thing i'm like i'm really key to kind of hammer this message home so there are still places, there are definitely places for women and other people. So women and trans folk and non-binary identifying people. And there are still places there because they're ringing friends. And most clinics now should have uh, additional uh, places for gay and bisexual men. But it's really important if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to wait until it becomes part of the general NHS. Actually, the service really in the immediate term so the first at least the first year or two afterwards is going to be no different from PEP impact but here's the thing matt hancock the secretary of state for health and nhs england and the department of health everybody else have committed to ensuring seamless transition from the prep impact trial to routine commissioning of prep so what that means is in order to get that seamless transition you need to be on the trial so if you find yourself we get to october when the trial ends and all of these people step forward for prep actually what's going to happen is the people on the trial are going to have to be seen to first to suit like to ensure that seamless transition so if you're interested in getting on prep contact your local clinic and now might be you know we're trying to cut back to essential services now but as soon as the situation starts to ease up a little bit get in touch with your clinic and register your mm, okay cool thank you because yeah that's definitely a lot clearer than i think a lot of people might understand it so basically obviously so they'll be prioritizing people who are on the impact trial and switching them over to like a regular dispensary service so initially so okay so i i i wish i could give you dates so so we were actually we actually haven't been given too much information we were told way back last year that we were aiming for the start of the financial year which was the first of april and we were really really pushing and pushing and holding the department of health to account for, for mm. to give us an actual date of when that will be available in clinic but the situation is that, that has to be managed on a regional basis so that's going to each region is probably going to vary so it's going to be a staggered role into general um, access but in light of the coronavirus situation and um, it's actually our standard sexual health services so forget even about a prep uh, provision our standard sexual health services have been reduced right down so in some areas um sexual health clinicians have been redeployed to work on the wards or into other divisions mm -hmm. so currently even if prep was commissioned you probably wouldn't be able to get clinic capacity to access it so um it's it's obviously we fought for this for five years very publicly and much longer for some people so it's really still at the forefront of our mind but they're understandable and i hate the use of this word again but really truly unprecedented demands on the nhs that fucking word unprecedented we find ourselves in an unprecedented oh i'm over that word anyway in these unprecedented times i think we can you know we can kind of understand true though i mean we are we are all adjusting and i think i think yeah you're right i mean i guess like be patient hold your horses we've got it let's just like kind of deal with like the immediate situation right and be kind of so but i can commit publicly to saying like it's something that we definitely it's, it's not we haven't taken it off the burner it's definitely still on the hog and it's just about <laughs> trying to find the right time <laughs> on the hog h-o-b 
Oh my god, you're fine. <laughs> okay, so basically, we haven't forgotten about it. We're still going to try and make it happen. It is going to happen, and we will hold government accountable. It's just obviously we, we have to try and be the best collaborators that we can be right now because we understand there's like huge demands, and there are actually much higher priorities at the minute. To be fair, even though Prep, you know, it's been my life for five years, I understand the situation that everyone is in right now. I think one of the things we spoke about before, and I think it's been quite public as well, especially with the work with like Prepster and everything, you know, Phil Samba talks about, obviously, um, is that um, there's been like limited engagement for like BAME communities and trans people. Are they holding places on the trial specifically for that demographic or are they just trying to promote it to those people or is that still an issue? So it's That's really a side question. I just thought. No, it's fine. So, so they basically the trial criteria were three criteria. So it was MSM, which are a key population because we know there's high rates of HIV there. So that's again bisexual men. And then there are other uh, key groups that we know have higher rates of HIV, like trans women, some some people who inject drugs, um, and and certain Black African communities in particular. And then you have your pockets of Eastern Europe and. And, and other areas, so about 26 countries, I think, listed in high uh, HIV rate areas. So basically, how how the trial the trial was designed, the eligibility criteria to make it as easy as possible for anyone who could benefit. I mean, it, his, historically with prep, it, it we, it's been difficult to engage uh, BAME and and communities and women, and especially at those intersections as well. So I actually have to take my hat off to people like Prepster, particularly Prepster actually, because they have done the most amount of work and the, the most community driven amount of work around this. So I actually think it's got better. I think the the mm. ethnic uh, representation and demographics, so the ethnic demographics across impact are, 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 are better than we've seen previously. And also, there are heterosexual men and women. Um, I don't know what their ethnicity is, but there are groups outside of, of people who identify as gay and by men who, mm. who have stepped forward for impact. So they, they, they made an effort to recruit those groups. We could have made a better effort, but you know that's actually where the work starts to get really, 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 really like highly focused now. So for me, uh, I really need to find some people who work with those types of people and try to support them to kind of duplicate what I've done. It'll be different, obviously, but to try and, to try and provide them with the platform and the resource mm. to start drilling down into those communities. So the yeah. interesting work starts now. Cool. And I also, like, I guess I just want to stress as well that it takes individual people like myself and my friends having conversations with other people. So for example, my friends didn't know anything about you cause you, they didn't know anything about prep and still I started talking about, I'm talking about straight people, cis people, um, but, now they are like posting things online and sharing things around Twitter and Instagram. And I think that's a really, um, that's like super important to make sure that we are um, basically speaking up um, as individuals as well, which I kind of guess is what this podcast is about. Um, also, I'm just going to read this as well. Outside of the trial, um, this is from NHS England, outside of the trial work is continuing uh, continuing involving the Department of Health and Social Care, local authority commissioners, HMS, HMS NHS England and NHS. <laughs> I'll, I'll, edit, I'll edit that. She's gone sailing. Um, <laughs> NHS England and NHS Improvement and Public Health England to plan for a seamless transition from the trial to the routine commissioning of prep 
Further updates on this work will be shared in due course, um, but no mention of the work done by THT, I want prep now, prepster, prep shop. So I would just want to give you a little round of applause and say thank you so much for all the hard work that you've done, um, all the hard work that everyone's done in campaigning, um, and all the, I guess all the hard work that normal people on the, on the ground have been doing just by kind of sharing, talking, spreading the message, that kind of thing, yeah? Yeah, I mean, Jordi, you know I get a lot of comments, I get a lot of press, I get a lot of praise, it's kind of, there's a bit of a head fuck to be honest back in the day because I certainly didn't feel I deserved it. I still don't really, but I've kind of adjusted mm. because you can't keep resisting that forever. But um there are a whole lot of a whole lot of other people that don't get enough credit that they should. Um, and there are a handful of I mean I, I certainly I'm I'm fully aware that unjustifiably I get most of the attention from a handful of people who get regular praise. But there are literally tens of thousands of predominantly gay and bisexual men and just you know they kind of just got their shit together mm. and said you know fuck all y'all we're, we're kind of doing this and that peer-to-peer -peer education and like really passionately informing your friends and trying to protect their friends and I mean for a community that can sometimes be quite vicious to itself and turn in on itself quite a lot I mean that was one of the really beautiful things to see out of the prep movement globally is to actually see gay men proving it again that they can be really great caregivers yeah that's so true. I'm writing my, I don't, I don't know if I told you, I'm writing my paper on this at the moment. Um, and actually one of the things I've just literally been writing this morning was that, you know, prep is a... Uh, oh. Anything long and thick and you're just like bashing your mouth off I, around there. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Back in the room, Jordan. Uh, yeah, and I said that, oh yeah, prep is essentially, you know, going to be like a, a sexual liberation drug as opposed to a lifestyle drug um, for all people, but it's been um, pioneered in terms of campaigning by queer men, um, which is the same queer men that was stigmatised for having the virus in the first place in the, in the 80s. Um, yet where's the coverage of the of like where's the thanks to the game and i, I feel like to say like you know what you're welcome um, um so presu presumably um there's going to be new tactics in terms of campaigning um to make prep available quicker and getting that rolled out to the people that need it in actual fact what we really need now on top of access which 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 will come now is a really cohesive and really focused uh, educational program and to ingrain uh, and embed HIV and sexual health and prep awareness in, in, in inclusive relationship and sex education. So we need we need more things now, and, and it's great to have big above the line like mainstream campaigns, but also equally as important, if not more important, is we really need to do that work with other communities. So you know, this this narrative has really been driven by predominantly white gay men and that is the history of HIV activism because you know regardless of our queer gay or bi status and even trans like Ernst although they are more uh, heavily marginalized than than cis gay men but white cis gay men really retain a lot of their white privilege so we lose certain privileges but you know we don't we, we don't exist in that that really harsh kind of difficult, difficult margin. And so it's kind of made sense that mm. we were the people who retained enough privilege to be able to do this. So that's been a historical fact and a historical failing of HIV activism. So it's 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 time we kind of started to try and redress those societal issues to make sure that, you know, people like me aren't centered in this moving forward. Cool. Thank you. 
Um, is there anything you think we should cover or anything you you think is important that you we should you should mention? Uh, the advice is to social distance, stay at home, only go up with people who are from your household. But and I want to really, really make this really clear. If you can't do that, and that's that's okay. If you can't do that, that's okay. I'm saying that and I'm going to put myself out there and say, if you haven't been able to do that, that is okay. Let's just accept that as a given now and work with that information. So please, if you've been busy or not busy or just had a couple of hiccups, whatever the situation, I'm not here to judge. And people that you're going to see in sexual health services are ordering home STI kits online from hopefully will not and definitely should not be judgmental. If you've been busy or even if you've just had a couple of hiccups, please go and order a home STI kit or go to your clinic whenever this is done. And don't be afraid to tell people that you've had sex because the last thing that I would want to see is like huge numbers of people or even it's actually probably a minority right because the majority of people are managing this okay but there will be a small minority who will be the most vulnerable and at risk so I would really hate to see terrified and frightened at the end of this that they can't go to a clinic and say listen I had sex during lockdown and mm. I'm really worried about this so, you know I, I wouldn't like to see that happen so I think it's a reminder to all of us to leave the judgment aside and let's just give people the advice, support and signposting that they need to get to get what they need after this lockdown. Cool. Thank you. It's nice to hear being realistic and pragmatic because um, we all know the advice and we and we're hopefully sticking to it as best we can. But I'm kind of getting a little bit frustrated with seeing these um, online conversations around like hookup shaming and things like this because I actually posted um like a like a blog post of the day saying that, you know, what you deem as someone's unselfish or someone's selfish behavior may be someone else's unmanaged mental health or even worse, it might be their breaking point. So I think we need to like approach this entire conversation um, with kindness and just, you know, recognize that not everyone is handling this the same as you and we're all coping in different ways and we all have different stories and perspectives and different journeys. And, you know, some people might be living on their own um, and relying on intimacy for like all kinds of validation and stuff. And we, we know this happens all the time. Um, we know that's why there's still conversations around chems and um, just hookups in general. Yeah, I agree. And I just want, and obviously, yeah, I just think it's important to be pragmatic and realistic as well while we're being safe and while we're being, you know, uh, responsible. So what just the last thing I think I'll add, because I think you, you kind of covered it and I kind of mentioned it earlier. It's just like when, especially with the hookup shaming, it's, it's really difficult because we've had this a lot as gay men and through a different epidemic. And, you know, I actually had listened to HIV positive people tell people who were hooking up now that they were stupid and dumb and they deserved what they got. And I'm like, oh, my God, like these are the things that are still said to us and our friends who are living with HIV and you've actually you you've gone out there and said I was like you need to rethink this so for me like I guess to, to, to sum up people are finding it difficult to get their heads around my viewpoint on this it's just a general rule of thumb is that before you clap back or before you cuss someone or call someone out it's just to ask yourself who benefits from this so if I, if, if I take this action, and I'm not talking about hooking up, I'm talking about the judging, who benefits, who's made to feel better, and what is the benefit of that? All it will do is scratch an itch for the person being sassy for a little while, and what it has the potential to do is cause great detriment and drive other people further underground. And I'm just like, I always try to do that myself now before I get sassier, clever, 
it's just to stop and think okay if i do this is there any benefit to anyone and if there isn't just don't fucking do absolutely. it absolutely you know social media is is intrusive and the thing about social media specifically twitter actually because it's quite conversational is that like people will make a f- uh, off the cuff remark and it will dribble down to like hours later and then i, I personally i think I, I feel like we've all been in a situation where someone has said something on social media which has triggered our own anxiety about something we've done like we should just try and be mindful and remember a time when that's happened to us because we really don't know that who's reading reading what and what situation they're in i totally agree and, and actually i think you just kind of hit the nail on the head not only is social media intrusive and we had the option to switch off before social media is intrusive and it's all we've got right now mm. so you have to change the parameters of your boundaries you have right. to act kinder you have to install boundaries that maybe you didn't before come on it's really really difficult yeah it's, really it's like engage or be lonely at this point and like exactly we need to be we need to be kinder online yeah. okay <laughs> did you just like co-op did you totally just appropriate grinders i don't know uh, it's kind of grinder well thanks for um thanks for a little chat today and update me i will have a little party at some point to celebrate launching okay. this and um we'll be top of the list of course amazing <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye, Jordan. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.